Hello everybody, we are a band from Slovakia called Cico Band and René Rendi. And now you're listening to the podcast Katsumoto with Peter Sikoro and Jeff Lobmanov. Hey everyone, uh, welcome to the fourth episode of the Katsumoto Conversation. First of all, I want to thank Cico uh, Band for an awesome song to start us off. Uh, it's Peter Sikora here with Big Papi. How are you, buddy? How we doing? How we doing? Doing all right here, Peter. What's going on? Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, you know, the uh, full hockey season is going right now. You know, we are about three or four weeks in, so the craziness is going full speed right now. Uh, you know, got a couple of stories from first couple of tournaments. But uh, most importantly, what do you think we're going to talk about today? I think... Uh, no, definitely right now being around the rink and being at the age level where I am, the U15, U16, there is a lot of advisors, a lot of agents, a lot of scouts around, you know, for the NHL, USHL, you know, for all those uh, juniors uh, and D1 colleges, most importantly, too. So uh, I think the uh, topic should be what are these people looking for? I love it. I think it's a great topic of discussion. Uh, especially with all these tournaments and showcases, like you said, that, that we're going to, you know, I'm at the U16 and U18 level. Um, I feel like you can't walk five feet without running into one of these guys. So uh, I think it's a great thing to talk about uh, what they're looking for. What are they looking for? Exactly. Exactly. You know, just like you said, you know, just, uh, you know, when I'm walking the hallways right now, I just kind of put my head down because, you know, the parents, you know, throughout the year and all these people I play with and, you know, they're having all these jobs for all of these teams. So it's like, hey, how are you? Oh, you know, you have a conversation for five minutes. Meanwhile, you want to go back to the hotel, get some lunch and 45 minutes later, you're not even halfway through the hallway. So I know how it is. It's uh, exactly like you said, but OK, exactly. What are they looking for? So, uh, you know, I think we can really this uh, topic has got uh, you know, a lot and a lot we can talk about. Uh, first of all, I would really say to the players and to the parents, do not overthink it. Do not come to those showcases and, oh my God, they're there. I have to do this. I have to do too much. You know, if if they're going to like you, they're going to watch you throughout the season. They're not going to watch you for one showcase. If someone's going to like you and want to get, uh, you know, committed or, you know, want you to get drafted or something like that, uh, they will not just uh, watch one showcase and they're going to say, you know what, I want this guy. They're going to follow you. They're going to, without you knowing, they're going to watch you throughout the season and they want to see you in different situations before they make that that commitment. So, you know, the Pittsburgh USHL uh, showcase is coming up this weekend and so many people are stressing up, you know, stressing about it. Oh my God, everyone's going to be there. The biggest event of the year. And, and, uh, you know, for me is knowing those people play with a lot of those people do not overthink it, go out there and just play your game, just play your game and don't try to do too much. You know, I think one of the uh, biggest things that the people are doing wrong, maybe the parents telling their sons or the daughters, uh, what they have to do at the showcase is just take the puck and go, just show them what you can do. And, and 
I think all these people are looking for skill and speed, but within the structure. And uh, trust me, if you can move the puck and if you can, uh, if you don't do turnovers, don't do too much, you play your game, you show up every shift, you escape at the puck, move the puck, play in the right way. For me, the right way is don't overdo it. Always advance the play. Always put the puck, the plate in the advanced situation. Yeah. And for me, this is the key for what they want. Yeah. Um, as a scout myself, um, I couldn't agree more. And this summer, uh, I had a conversation with an amazing coach, highly reputable. His name's Dave Starman. And he had posted something online. Uh, Dave was a coach of mine when I was younger. Uh, he posted something online, a little bit of a rant, but a hundred percent on point. Uh, he was at a scouting showcase where his son was playing. And he said he could not believe the amount of players that think this is a one-on-five show and that nobody was passing the puck and that, you know, it's wild that these players think that if, you know, they think that if they can just dangle off five guys and, and go down and snipe, uh, that that's going to be the ticket, you know, punching their ticket to the next level. Um, and I couldn't agree with his assessment more. And, and what you're saying, it, it, it's one and the same. You, you're looking for things like IQ and compete level. Um, yes, it's obviously nice to see the guy has hands, but we're not looking for guys that are selfish and don't know how to play the game. This is not a, a singular person game, right? This isn't one-on-one -on -one hockey up and down the ice, um, advancing the puck, moving the puck, playing within a team. Even if, you know, it is one of these summer showcases like Dave was at, you know, are you looking for your teammates? Are you looking for them at all? Um, but especially in a team setting. Um, like, like your son is in and the, and the kids that I coach are in right now, you know, they're, they're not looking for the guy that thinks that he can do it all by himself. They're not. Um, so if you're a player that thinks that you have to go out there and, you know, showboat and do all these things by yourself, and that's the way you're going to get seen. Um, I think that you need to take a step back and, and understand that this is a team game and that you're going to have to play within a team system moving forward for the rest of your life in this game. So organizations and coaches and scouts want players that can move the puck and advance it and then move their feet and catch them to the play not just you know stare at it in admiration of their play right oh man look at this pass i just made gorgeous they should frame that no you have to you know get up in the play yourself and then start playing the game but uh i think it's a great point to bring up to not only to the players, but to the parents who are, are, are in the car ride or the flight to the tournament or even leading up to the tournament that are saying, oh, you have to do this and you have to do that, or they're not going to look at you. They're not going to want to talk to you. Um, I think that, you know, a, a little bit of education into, into what you hear, what you see as a coach, as a former player, as a parent, uh, maybe what you talk about with Nikki uh, going into these showcases, um, I think this is, you know, priceless knowledge for these players and parents to hear. Yeah, you know, like uh, conversation with my son would be, uh, it would be player game, player game. I, you know, from when he was four years old, I tried to teach him some game. And, uh, you know, I really tell him that every time you get the puck on your stick, you have to advance the puck. You have to advance the offensive situation. You have to, you have to uh, put your teammates in a better position. You have to always make the right decisions with the puck. Me and the right decisions, we can talk about it for hours too, but just to kind of simplify it is that uh, a lot of these players, 
they always kind of looking for that one-on-one situation and try to be that guy one-on-one and this and that and and end of the day I just watched a beautiful U16 game in Chicago a couple of weeks ago where, you know, those two teams going to be top 10 in, in the country. They are going to the Nationals. And I really didn't see once on the entry into the zone, the forward beat the defenseman. Not, not once the whole game. Like, not once. And every time any offense would show up, would be you enter the zone because those those D and those top teams are so good too. You enter the zone, you either have a middle drive for the short pass or you just kind of chip it off the wall with the guy flying into it or you kind of come in with the speed, you slow it down and you hit the late guy coming in. And that's the only offense on, on the entries I've seen throughout the whole game. So coming to the showcases, obviously you're going to get or you're going to get the game as the not the top teams all the time and you're going to get more room to skate with the puck and maybe dangle those D. But uh, for me, the key is really, because if you really look at the stats, if you go into that one-on-one battle with that defenseman, for me, you're going to be the top level defenseman one out of 10 times. So that means that nine times there, there is a change of position of the puck, which everybody, me as a coach, I hate it. Everybody on the hockey planet who is coaching hates it because everybody's going offense. And all of a sudden, you give up that position of their puck. There is a turnover and they are coming to your defense who is not set to play defensively. So all you can do is serve angle and basically try to cut them through the neutral zone. So just to making that point. So for me, I never tell Nikki not to beat the guy one on one, but Looking at that percentage and looking at what other plays, which he has a high IQ, so I know he can make those plays. And uh, for me, is I tell him, just play your game, move the puck, move the puck for the third time, move the puck, because a lot of these people I know, they love players who move the puck. And uh, end of the day, you know, Connor McDavid is Connor, is Connor McDavid, but when you look at his game, he knows exactly when is the time to go and be the defenseman. But most of his game, he's actually, like, to me, he's unbelievable passer too. And, uh, you know, just to recognize when is the time to try to be that guy and when is the time to move the puck, that is so important. And this is what are the, for me, that's me as a coach who I try to get kids on my team or me maybe in future will be a scout or something. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I try to teach my son. And uh, definitely, uh, I think that unselfishness in hockey is not really talked about between the parents and their kid. And it is so important for all of those people standing up there to see. Yeah, uh, I'm a I'm a big believer in the Anatoly Tarasov model, model, um, the old Soviet hockey systems of attacking as a unit. So I'm a huge proponent with any team that I coach about head up, IQ, moving pucks. Um, there's a lot of people that just love the North-South game. I love the East-West game as well. And I have absolutely no problem going back South and regrouping to create another offensive opportunity rather than dump the puck in and give up possession. Um, obviously there's always certain skill sets, like we said, 
right? You have to play your game. And if your IQ uh, or your passing level or your puck handling level uh, is not up to par uh, with that style of play, then obviously you need to make adjustments per line. But I think that there is almost always a better play than just dump and chase and giving up that possession that you've worked so hard for to just give it away again to what to go try to outwork them in the corner, hope for the best. And then now you're relying on the guy who wasn't deemed worthy to make a play in the neutral, a smart play in the neutral zone. And I have to emphasize smart on that, a smart play in the neutral zone. You're now hoping for the best that this guy is going to outwork their opponent, get the puck and then make a smart play in the offensive zone. So that kind of is a contradiction in itself. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's always options. If you teach these players how to be creative and critical thinkers, even off of the ice and they can transfer that onto the ice. Um, quick decision-making is something that is becoming more of a lost art form. I feel like in the, in the nineties and in your era within the nineties into the two thousands, when you had guys like, you know, Alexander McGilney, for instance, who I always thought of as like one of the Albert Einsteins of hockey. I loved watching McGilney play guys like Pavel Bure play and Sergei Fedorov um, on the defensive side, guys like Brian Leach, who just racked up assists like they were going out of style. They always found these plays and to emulate guys like that. Um, it, it forces you to think in the game in, in a much different way than, and I'm not taking anything away from the guys like McDavid. He is absolutely one of the top to ever do it. His skill is unmatched in today's game. He is so fast. He's an amazing thinker as well. But a lot of these kids these days, they see his hands and they emulate the hands. And that's just a small piece of it. Like you were talking about before he knows when to move the puck. And he does it all the time, but kids, kids these days, and I see it in the training sessions, a lot of flash. It's all, it's a lot of flash. Can I make the sick dangle and flip it over his stick? Or they see the Trevor Zegris pass over the net. And now they're all trying to do that. And, you know, you're seeing Michigan's tried at a ridiculous number all the time. It's, there's so many other plays that you can make that may be simpler that you can simplify and your, you know, your success rate is going to be extremely high. Now, do I think that it's great that these kids are trying to be so creative in them like, by themselves? Yeah, sure. I think it's an amazing skill, but they're being creative within themselves. And a lot of these kids are not learning at a young enough age, how to be creative with other people around them. Perfectly said. Keep talking. This perfectly said. So, so whereas my teams, just to bring up like a personal, you know, a personal story, my teams growing up, we had a lot of influences where, you know, we were not necessarily rewarded for the goal, but we would get more of a, like a round of applause, so to speak, or a pat on the back, so to speak, for making a great assist or making a great first play out of the zone or being creative in the neutral zone. So that's how we were brought up. And that's how we tried to play the game into our junior and our college. And some of these guys went pro very high level pro. Um, and I, I truly think that that's starting to die out a little bit. 
And it makes me very upset because I see it. You know, we sat together in Boston a few weeks ago and we watched kids try to go coast to coast on both teams. And when they tried to go coast to coast on both teams, very small success rate. But when they started moving the puck, tic-tac-toe, pass and move, pass and move, find the open areas, find the soft areas of the ice, it was a beautiful game. And we were looking over at each other like, that was a great play. That was a great play. That was for both teams. This wasn't just, you know, on your side. This was both teams making great tic-tac-toe plays. And I was able to see it uh, at the North American League showcase last week where, you know, the guys who tried to skate it into the zone always by themselves, very low success rate. But when they started moving it, their zone entries were stunning. So I don't want to go so far as to say that it's a lost art, um, but I do believe that in an overgeneralization scale that the the creativity is certainly becoming more of what can I personally do with this rather than how can I spread out the ice and get defenders feet moving in different directions and, you know, how can I find my teammates and then get open and, and move into a soft area. And then once I get it, I can even give it back to them. It's, you know, I, I hope that these players with all this unbelievable individual skill can start to, in a sense, learn to play more of a team game and make those beautiful passes more often. Just to sum it up, to make it a little, little simpler for the parents. If I'm standing there being a scout and your son is coming 100 miles an hour, make seven turnovers a period, try to go between the legs of the defenseman turnover. If your son is in the offensive zone, instead of just try to walk out of the corner every time with the toe drag, bang, he gets hit and there is a turnover, the puck gets out of the zone. I'm not really looking for him. Mm -hmm. but if your son can through neutral zone, move the puck, but then want to puck back, so you move the puck, all the attention goes on that guy, but you go to the own pace space, you get the puck back, now you're free to go. If you in, in the offensive zone and you make short pass to get away from that pressure it's on you and you jump to open area and all of a sudden, instead of having puck in the corner, you have a puck in the scoring area only because you made that one short pass and jumped to the open space. That's the player I'm looking for. 100%. Just like you said, those uh, Michigans and this and that, uh, under U15 and U, U16 Fs, every single player can do it. Like, like, like I'm telling you, every single player on those two teams can do the Michigan. Every single one. I personally, I really can do it. Like, I know, like I'm trying, you know, it's like, it's like slides out my stick because I, I don't practice it, but everybody can do it. But to be able to make short pass under pressure in the offensive zone to get away from pressure and then find an open space to get the puck back. That's for me, that's a skill. Recognize on the entry when to move the puck and when to go for a one-on-one, -on -one, that's for me, that's a skill. Recognizing uh, when to shoot the puck on two-on-one -on -one and when to move it for one-timer, that's a skill. So just like you said, uh, you can do one Michigan in the showcase score the goal but rest of the game you do nothing for the team you make turnovers you don't advance the play no one cares you you don't do the michigan and you always ad advance the puck you in the right position you kind of in that give and goes you skate you know when to do the right decisions 
that's when they want you. I couldn't agree more. And that is a great segue into a conversation that I had uh, over this past week with a really great human being and a good buddy of mine, uh, Ryan Secor, who is now with the Madison Capitals, the USHL. And the conversation was about being impactful every single shift. Are you being an impact every single time you are on the ice? You know, if you have 20 shifts, are you doing something in a positive way to help your team at least, you know, once a shift? Are you doing something? Um, not the, you know, the idea that, oh, he scored a goal, must have had a great game. That's not the case. If you score one goal, but you do absolutely nothing and you are, you know, you're a ghost out there, uh, so to speak, an empty uniform. You, so what? That's not a measure of success. It's not a measure of success in my book. And I know it's not a measure of success in a lot of other people's books because you could have been in the right place at the right time one time. And that means that means overall, as far as the overall nature of your game, you know, yeah, oh, you know, the outlier, oh, it was a game winning goal, or it was this, or it was that, or it was this variable. What we're talking about is the generalization over the course of buzzer to buzzer, first to last. Were you impactful throughout the game? Did you help your team or did you do nothing which in turn hurt your team? And if you are consistently being an impactful player for your team, those are the things that are going to get noticed by, uh, by the guys in the stands with the, with the notepads. Um, yeah, 100%, Jeff. It's yet, yet again, you, you said it great. And, you know, just kind of like some examples of what you just said, you know, there will be shifts where you don't really touch the puck or maybe you have a one day a little touch but you you can do so much let's say you know there is a turnover and uh, just if you can do the right angle and angle the player to your defenseman where he doesn't he can just kind of play him by the red line right away that's a perfect thing to do and the coach sees it if you're not lazy on the back check if you're not if you you know, if that puck rolls in the defensive zone on the wall and you make that short pass to the flying center in the middle, knowing you're going to get hit. And you know what? You don't have to score that goal. But like every single ship, just like you say, you do something like that. You know, they, I don't even think those people are looking at stats at these showcases. They're not really looking for stats. They, they're really looking for your throughout your whole game. And, uh, you know, be impactful every single shift. It doesn't matter, you know, I don't know. I just saw the stat that, you know, the top players in National Hockey League, they they uh, play 20, 22 minutes a game and the total amount of time they touch the puck is what? One, one and a half minute, two minutes? Sometimes if it's even that much. Yeah, less than that. And uh, But every single shift, they're in the perfect position. If it's on the offensive side of the puck, defensive side of the puck, always ready to receive the puck, always ready to play the right way, make the right decisions. And uh, I think uh, people, like you said, they really focus too much on those Michigans, focus too much on these unbelievable once every 10 game plays that happens. And for me as a coach, I have to know that I play three lines that every other shift and no, every third shift when you go on the ice, I know you're going to bring something. And if it means you're going to angle as, as a center perfectly, the guy on back check, so your defenseman can stand him up on our blue line, even before our blue line. That's for me, that's a good shift for you. 
you know so don't be passengers don't just kind of like wait for these unbelievable plays i think uh, a lot of the people are looking for if you can play within the structure make the right place all the time and on top of it when you get the puck then it's your time to go make those right decisions and go offensively but there is so much in your game where you can actually show your own coaches or the people watching that you know you are doing the right thing yeah um you know just in a in a different way to put it there was a, a guy back in the day coaching the USHL. His name was Shane Fukushima. Uh, he was with Waterloo. And he once told me, uh, and a group of guys, we were, you know, in a room uh, in Switzerland and we were playing. And Shane goes, stick to your skill set. And if you're, you can be a rusher, an usher, or a crusher. And what he meant by that, if you're a rusher, then then move your feet, you know, and skate. If you're an usher, pass the puck. If you're a crusher, obviously that speaks for itself. Play the physical game. But stick to your skill set and find your, your top three skills that that you know your attributes that that you think are your top three. And make sure that you do the best at those top three every time you're on the ice. And you will have a successful game. Don't ever try to be something that you're not, right? Personally, for me, I loved moving the puck, as I've stated before. I was big time passer. Um, to be honest, I think my hands were always below average. I thought they were always below average, even though I could, I could move them here and there. Um, but you know, I, I'm no, you know, swaggy P Lennis, you know, I'm no Zach Bell or guys like that. I never had those types of hands, but I could find a pass anywhere and I could find an angle off the boards anywhere to a guy in motion because that's how I saw the game. So I never tried to, you know, after getting out of the the midget years, when I was in the junior years, I stuck to my skill set ever since I heard that I was 16 years old when, when coach Fukushima told that to me. And that really resonated with me because it's like, okay, those days are gone. You can't do these things anymore because maybe you were a better skater than a lot of these guys, or you could chip and move, or you could pass and move. You cannot try to dangle through these guys. You do not have the skill. Stop. Enough. So I stuck to my skill set and it took me as far as I could go, which is, you know, a fraction of a percentage. And, you know, you see these guys in the show, you know, you don't see guys like Ryan Reeves trying to pull sick toe drags through the legs with spinoramas. The guy plays his game and that's why he's successful at his game. Right. So if I could pass along something to players, again, it would be what coach Fukushima told me. It would be find your three top attributes and make sure you stick to those for the entire game. And you do the absolute best that you can at those attributes. And more than likely, you will have a successful game and you will be an impact player shift in and shift out. Yep. No, really good. Really well said. It's uh definitely you can see that when the kids come to these showcases knowing the people are watching that they they get away from that oh yeah like they really like they really do get away from that and one of the factors the those people are watching for is also how do you fit within the team how do you look inside that team and soon as you kind of go to these places i have to do it myself i, I have to show that all of a sudden you have a bad game because you have 75 turnovers all of a sudden you kind of stick out from that team structure and definitely no one wants people who are sticking out from that team structure and uh, and uh, you know 
still, you know, we're talking about 15, 16, 17 year old kids, you know, they have no really experience. There is a lot of pressure coming on them, you know, because they maybe see their friends getting committed or they see their friends getting drafted to uh, NHL or USHL, you know, some of them are not drafted and all of a sudden there is a pressure. Oh my God, what am I doing wrong? Well, you know, I think in ep- episode one, we talked about, or two, we talked about how kids are going from here to here. They, you know, like kids at 15, even or 16, when they get drafted, all of a sudden the guy who didn't get drafted going to play in front of you at that USHL team three, three years later. So, you know, there's a lot of going through their minds. I think uh, the less pressure the parents put out and could go into those places, the, you know, the less they kind of try to impress people and really going over excited or over nervous to those games or over hyped up i have to do this i think is you're never gonna show well just go there just like jeff said you know think about your two or three things what you do best and show them but do it within the team structure and uh you know if you're a good hockey player trust me there's a lot of good hockey minds watching if you're a good hockey player and even if you're a good hockey player and you don't have a good game or you don't feel you you have a good game those people see that you are a good hockey player yep in chicago a couple of weeks ago um i just met this guy uh you know i don't want to really name these people but i you know and and the guy is about 30 years old and you know i didn't know what to think of it you know he's uh he's with somebody who i really like in in the hockey world so i just started talking to him and i watched two games with him and uh, and he's 30 years old and exactly what we said at this episode that's exactly what he's looking for and we watching these kids and and you know it, it was so funny that uh you know we buy the glass and we go yeah did you see that yeah yeah i did and like no none of the parents saw that play because they don't know what we're talking about right. and he goes yeah you know what like he did it three times this game and you know just like at this level you just can't do that and i go i told i totally agree with you and uh, you know these are the small things and you know what like if there was michigan score we would not even talk about it michigan because you always want to see the whole game the defensive zone how you break out how's your angles how you coming back how you do this can you make that play under pressure on that wall you know all that little stuff can you make the short passes in the offensive zone can you on the entries not turn the puck over make the right decisions and we always talk about that during those two games and uh you would be surprised that you know the players you would think from a lot of the parents view that these are the players these guys are looking for they actually looking at kids you would never think they are looking for yeah because they don't understand what they're looking for right exactly. like you said they they're missing exactly. the big picture they don't and there's there's a quote and i apologize for for butchering this but you know um a parent's obligation is to look out for the best interests of their child and a coach's obligation is to look out for the best interests of the team and sometimes those don't mix and you can take that and say from a scouting perspective the parent has eyes that they think that their child is always doing amazing you know, um, or not necessarily making all of the mistakes that they claim that somebody else has seen. 
or why didn't they see that they did this well or this well or this well? Well, what is your definition of doing something well, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Parents? Whereas a coach will look at it and say, okay, well, yeah, he got a shot opportunity, but it was a three on O and he shot it right into his chest. Right. It, it, there's, there's the extras to the rest of the story. Oh, well, he's creating offense. Is he, uh, you know, that, that may be, uh, on the lower end of the, you know, plausible scenarios, but it's still an example. Nonetheless, it's, a lot of times, especially when it comes to being drafted, and I've seen it, there are very, very talented players individually that have a ton of raw talent, but they lack in the team structure that we're talking about. And that will be their downfall to why the other guys on their team are being drafted to why the other guys on their team who may not even have as much raw talent will eventually go further. So that's why I think that conversations like we're having right now are so important to try to transfer this information, especially at these showcase settings. There's, there's a point though, and we've talked about this, where they get too creative. So when you see your team is trying to do too much to be creative and now or trying to do too much in a team setting where it's too many passes and you need to reel them in, what's the message that you send to these guys? When you get to this level at the U15 and U16 and you at the U want to really get to USHL or NHL or the OHL or D1 commitment, I think at this level, you have to be able to recognize that and to recognize and that's exactly we are back to it because if you one dimensional player and you unbelievable skater you might you are maybe a little bigger than the other guys and now you've been in guys who are one-on-one you know just like you said later on it's not happening and uh and at this level you really have to be able to recognize what game you're playing and what you should do with the puck and that's really what uh, you know what we talked at the beginning where you have to recognize how to advance the play the right way and we can talk about that really let's say one little example for me defensive on the offensive blue line at this level if you want to get drafted you want to advance your play to junior hockey you have to be able on the offensive blue line get away from the pressure make a fake get away from that wing coming at you and for me if you take a shot with no scream in front and the goalie catches the puck and the and there is a whistle and a face out we last possession of the puck Same. so this defenseman has to be able to be that guy and for me, he has to shut pads after pad, and most importantly, have the vision to go east to west. Because later on, when you get to those junior hockey or OHL or or um, you know the top level D1 and National Hockey League, that shot it's not scoring. You have to go east to west to start scoring in in the offensive zone. And you know if you cannot recognize now, you know it's very hard to later on to learn how to really play the game yeah but you know it's yet again you know it's uh 
it's uh, hard because maybe sometimes the parents are in his ear you have to shoot that puck all the time because you never know you have to shoot that puck because out of seven shots from that blue line you're gonna get one helper you have to do that but for me out of those seven shots there is four face up or block and shot and you lose possession six six times of those seven shots yeah. but if you can walk the blue line and find somebody east to west or advance the play uh there is at least four grade a scoring chances out of that play and you know come back to chicago two weeks ago watching the game on the glass with that person when somebody made that play east to west in the offensive zone he goes yeah he's a hockey player mm -hmm. and you know what it's you know it's that simple and for for guys like us who love this game so much and are so passionate about it when you see that no matter who it is it doesn't matter who it is when you when you can recognize a hockey player on the ice it's just it's a for me personally it's a great moment i love seeing plays like that and seeing that guys understand they just get it and you know that a, a young man or woman like that is going to go further and keep going and you're going to get to keep watching them make these plays like this. Um, especially, you know, for me on the skill side, when we work on things that have to do with IQ and heads up plays and moving pucks, and, um, and then you see your players that you've been teaching, pull these things off. It's, uh, you know, it's, pretty indescribable moments for me personally. Now, I don't have a child who plays yet, but uh, hopefully, um, hopefully they're able to to pull things off like that as well. Jeff, there is a, another thing that uh, we should touch up a little bit on and that's uh, body language. Yeah. It's uh, so important. Like people don't realize how important that is. And, uh, you know, like, I even like when I see the team score, I even watch how the kids celebrate your teammates. And I even watch the linemen who don't get the points and how they celebrate. And I watch how they, uh, you know, how they people react when the teammate like made a bad play, but he tried to make a good play. And, you know, as soon as you start doing this and kind of like start shaking your head and stuff like that, I can tell you no one likes it. Yeah. You think? <laughs> uh, and it's contagious is the problem yes it's really contagious and that that negativity spreads um and you know little things like maybe you got skipped on a shift and you put your head down and you pout um things that you don't think that anybody will notice people notice your coach notices but people in the stands notice too they see it you know, the, for the most part, the, the rinks and arenas that you're playing in, you know, even if it's a bigger place, people are pretty close enough to be able to, to see you, um, your facial expressions, even sometimes. Yeah. And it's so important. It's so important. And it's, uh, you know, it's so much easier said than done. I, I want to get that out of the way too. It's so much easier said than done. Like when you have so much passion about anything, you're bound to be emotional at points, right? You, and you see this in the NHL. So I, I'm not saying that 
you know, you have to be perfect all the time. I, I, that's an effort and futility. Sometimes you're asking for the impossible, right? Like you make a terrible play to give up a tying or a go ahead goal. It's so hard to keep your composure as much as you need to. Right. It, it, you know, I get it that some of these guys let loose every so often. I'm, I, I, I like to consider myself a humanist, but if you're a powder or a stick slammer or a throw your hands up and ask God why type of guy, whenever you make a play on the ice or you get off, off the ice and you're slamming your stick and you're making a scene, you know, I, I don't know any other way to put this, but people are going to think that you are extremely mentally soft and you can't have that on a team. And, you know, sometimes that can trump your skill unfortunately for guys unfortunately for guys um it can it can trump your skill so i i preach this to the guys especially again going back to you know kind of my bread and butter which is skills especially in the skill sessions you see this they miss a shot they didn't handle a pass well they slam their stick they swear as loud as they can they you know they do the whole look up at the sky or they flex the stick. Like it's the stick is broken when they just bought it yesterday. You know, like they have all the moves and all the things chill out, chill out. You gotta be able to refocus and move forward. But as per this conversation, you don't want people thinking that you're, you know, kind of a head case and that you can't keep it together when the going gets tough. Um, so that would be, you know, my two cents to these guys in these showcases that this is also a game of mistakes. Mistakes happen. Don't be afraid of them. Embrace them. Um, you have to be able to roll with the ebbs and flows. So body language, super important when, when you're at some of these scouting showcases, not some of them, all of them. And honestly, it's not even the scouting showcases because you never know who's going to be up there watching you. Sometimes they wear the jacket with the emblem and sometimes they don't. So, and what 16 year old kid knows the face of every single USHL, NAHL, D1, D3 scout coach, you know, what are you, some type of facial almanac that you know, every single person that's walking in and out of the game. And if you do, why are you so focused on who's up in the stands instead of playing the game? So you got to be able to keep it together, guys and girls. You have to, it's so important. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. All right, big papi. I think uh, I got something good for the parents too, just to light up the mood a li little bit. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a parent too. You're going to be parent very soon. And, uh, you know, just something, it's not funny, but it's just something where, uh, you know, when you go through mites, squirts, you know, and you play the seven o'clock games, eight, eight o'clock games every time, and all of the parents are telling you, Oh, when you get to midgets, oh my God, you got to get to 10, 11 o'clock games. You got to sleep in, you got to have fun. So been to Boston and Chicago, uh, been in Valve coaching, how many, eight or nine games. Okay. And eight of them, or no, not, not eight of them, probably five of them. I was up at five in, in the morning at, at the midget level. And every morning I'm walking to that Dunkin' Donuts or something, getting that coffee and I go, 
I'm coaching for 10 years already and I'm still waking up at five. I'm, I'm coaching the midget. <laughs> and, then you, and then you gotta walk through the lobby in, in the hotel and you see the parents and they're sitting there and, and they go, we spent 10 years in hockey tournaments to wake up at five at midgets. And I go, yeah, let's yep. go. The ring, especially in Chicago, every ring for a hotel is 45 minutes. Right. The kids have to be there hour before the game. So really for 7.30 game, you know, you have to wake up at five. For sure. And uh, so it's just, you know, just something where, you Never know, had. I was looking at the, uh, I, I was looking just at the schedule in Pittsburgh. And of course, you know, Sunday morning, eight o'clock game. Here we go. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, no. So it's just something that uh, not that kind of struck me, but I was like, yeah, they were telling me in squirrels, you know, it's okay to wake up at five for the, every single game there. But uh, at midges, they used to play at like 11. So I don't know, maybe it's changing now. Yeah, we had one, we had one last week in, uh, in Blaine, Minnesota, that was 830 in the morning. And, uh, again, like you said, you, you think that you get past that at some point, but I mean, when I was coaching in the USPHL and this is no joke, we would play Saturday night, double header, right? So elite and then premier would play okay. and, and first thing Sunday morning, first thing we'd be at the rink six thirty seven in the morning for an eight or eight thirty game, whatever it was. You're kidding me. This is juniors. What are we doing playing a 7 8 o'clock game, whatever it is, on a Sunday morning? What the hell is going on here? I thought it was the craziest thing in junior hockey to be, you know, because game day operations, right? We treated game days like you would in the pros. You're there for an earlier skate. You get your bike in. You know, and I'm a coach, so I have to be there doing depth charts and all the other things that the organization had the coaching staff doing on game days. So we're there sometimes 12, 13 hours straight. Then we go home. It feels like you sleep for 10 minutes and you're right back at it for 6, 30, 7 o'clock Sunday morning. Who the hell thought of this for junior hockey players to have to play late Saturday night and then early Sunday morning? I thought it was lunacy. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, but um, you know, it's all good. It's all good. It's, it's uh, you know, it's you know, it's something where you you know, I think the players should appreciate even these morning games. It's uh, you know, just on a little serious note. I'm reading the newspapers. Let's say in Czech Republic, with the electricity, it's. Uh, five to eight times higher and they have to pay and and i just read unbelievable stat this morning where i'm not talking about hockey i'm talking about like sports clubs in check for any sports and they did some kind of uh they asked i think about thousands of even like the small sports club and there was like a lot of hockey clubs in there too and they did the stats that if this electricity madness bills keeps going 73% have to shut down within a year. And, uh, you know, looking even at the uh, prices of ice in Czech Republic, the electricity and how the clubs are not struggling, but definitely if it's, this keeps going, a lot of these rings are going to be shutting down. So, you know, let's be honest, let's be clear, let's be happy to wake up at five and play hockey. You know, 
we can complain all we want about our our little first world problems about having to get up at 5 a.m on sunday morning exactly exactly at the same time like if you take a step back and think about it you know for especially for guys like us that love it like uh you're getting up to go do and be where you love to be and do what you love to do whether you're a player or a coach you know if you don't love it you know you're in the wrong place anyways right so um definitely reveling especially especially for these these young men who are who are at the tail end of their midgets uh and going into juniors you know i always thought that junior hockey was this unbelievable concept that that hockey the game of hockey has come up with where especially for kids who take gap years in between graduating high school and going to college or or whatever it may be that they do after um you have not a care in the world not a care in the world some of you get part-time jobs whatever but but your care is your craft and you get to spend it all with the boys and it's just these great moments on and off the ice and in and out of the rink that money literally cannot buy they cannot buy it and some of my best friends to this day are the guys that i play jays with um you know i was i was blessed enough to be a groomsman in my first uh my first junior roommate's wedding last year and that was one of the most incredible feelings that after all these years i mean we played together in 06 so 15 years later i'm a groomsman at his wedding like you can't buy that i would wake up at 5 a.m to play with that guy any day of the week even now so you know as much as we like to complain that you know it, it, and it is it, let's be clear it, it is stupid it's stupid to have 15 16 and older kids playing at that ungodly hour but at the same time in retrospect if it's like okay you have to get up at 5 a.m to go coach or go play in this game or 73 percent of the rinks in the country are going to be shut down i'll take the 5 a.m game any day of the week yes yeah no yeah yeah it's uh you know like it wasn't about the hockey rings not the 73 of the hockey rings, but the sports club which a lot of them was the hockey ring so i'm not really okay. sure the number but still it's unbelievable number and and um i can't believe you get invited to those to, to the weddings like the way you dance i would never invite you no you, you, have you ever seen <laughs> dancing this big boy can move exactly you light up the room my friend you light up <laughs> the room i break the dance floor literally uh, yeah no 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 no. it's all good it's all good big papi so yeah oh i i think we covered a lot of stuff today big papi i really you know i think uh there's a lot of good information out there and uh you know once again you know what a pleasure what a pleasure my friend it's always a pleasure having these conversations with you and uh until next week and next time katsumoto it was a great conversation Yes, it sure was. And uh, tune in every Monday at 7.30 for your new and updated episodes of Katsumoto Conversations. Um, thank you again, Peter. Another great talk. Ahojte všetci, sme kapela zo Slovenska, Cicobent a René Rendy a počúvate rozhovor Katsumoto s Petrom Sikorom a s Jeffom Loubmanom. Oh,